There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 1017, November 6th, 2023, Nasser. Thank you, sir. I say Samba of success goes on for the Dutch master. Toto is howling in the Mercedes camp. And most important, Fernando is faster than you. Checo, and now back to the host, the Paris Prado of podcasting. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, Max again, Max again, Max again. Fernando, el más macho del mundo, says it was harder than Imola 2005. Can you imagine? And my boy, Yuki Sonoda, finds his milieu which was impressive. And of course, Leclerc disappointed with Lady Luck, which makes me laugh. I mean, he's born in Monaco. He drives for Ferrari and has a wonderful life. You've got plenty of luck there, uh, my friend. So just hang in there, buddy. And this week's interview from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago, we have Caio Collet from Brazil. New young driver searching, and apparently his roommate at Oxford was Oscar Piastri. So that's going to be very interesting, and they also play tennis together. So I think Lance is going to be hearing about this. And I just want to remind everybody, yes, we do need your contributions to keep this program on the air. Just click on the Support F1 Weekly tab, you know, you want to. NAS, does it get more exciting than those last 10 laps? What a friggin' great race that was. And Fernando reaching down, 42 years old, and putting on the best show ever. I was impressed. Well, you know, the very last lap and what happened there and who made it happen made up for the whole weekend. And it reminds me of a conversation once upon a time Peter Windsor was having on, remember Dave Despain's program, uh, Wind Tunnel, which was a very good program? Yes, I do. I used to listen to that show. Yes, me too. And Dave Despain mentioned to him lack of overtaking in uh, Formula One to Peter Windsor. And Peter Windsor said, you don't need 35 uh, lead changes to have a great race. And that was proven uh, on Sunday. And that was very, very exciting. It was, uh, uh, you know, these days we all know who's going to win the race. So the focus is what's happening in the back. And this really, really made me very happy. I really thought from the video looked like that at the last millisecond, Nando got pipped. But it's official. He's on the podium. Chaco is not. So muy macho congratulations to the host of F1 Weekly. You feeling good, sir? I was feeling good, I am feeling good, and it was an exciting drive. I mean, when Checo finally got the pass on lap 71, you knew, you know, first you're, you're gutted and you're going, in, but then you're thinking, oh yes, Brazil, it's the DRS train. So it was boom, 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 and machismo. I mean, the Red Bull is a faster car, we know that. But see, Fernando likes to take a junkie car and make it go faster than other people. So it was awesome. I mean, it reminded me of Germany against Massa. <laughs> it was the best. I mean, it was even more exciting than that. I mean, I think a 42-year-old man to be putting on this kind of performance, I want to know what he's drinking. Yeah, and I remember that race in at the, I think it was the Nürburgring when he was with uh, McLaren and he had no chance to win the race and there was a little bit of rain 
uh, and he got an ounce of opportunity and he pounced on it and then uh, if you remember at, at uh, after the race he was showing the damage done to his car by uh, Felipe Massa's Ferrari. You remember that? I do remember that. Speaking of Felipe Massa, boy, not much talk about him over the weekend. 2008 is beginning not to exist. Nobody wants to talk about it. There's no pictures of it. So mum's the word. Okay, let's take a look at the excitement and the thriller in Manila before the race even started. Charles Leclerc does a Roberto Guerrero on the formation lap into the wall of voodoo. Hydraulics, he screamed, and asking why am I so unlucky, an issue you already addressed. Question is, how low can things go for Scuderia Ferrari? When I saw that, when the commentator screamed, somebody had crashed, I was not sure who, but when I saw a red car, I said, hmm, why am I not surprised? Sorry to say that, but that's the way these things are working out these days. But this was just a sign of things to come. And yes, we had an exciting race, like every other Grand Prix this season, all behind Max Verstappen. And Mr. Rogers, 17 wins out of 20 races would be a great season for any team with two top drivers like Prost and Senna. You remember the 88 season. But wait, this is 17 wins for just one driver, who has now scored over 500 points and we still have two races to go. And chances are awfully good he will win both the street races in Sin City and Sand City, best of both worlds. And say Ophidazine to Fettel's record of 53 wins. On a lighter note, I think you enjoyed this. I have to agree with Martin Brundle. His chances of getting a Christmas card have been shot down by Machine Gun Kelly. In Liberty Media's pursuit of PC and inclusivity, I am surprised we have not seen Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg on the grid so far. So sad, P.V. Herman is no longer with us. What was your take on... I had never even heard of this guy, Machine Gun Kelly. Are you familiar with his music and antics? I've heard of the name. I knew it was a young musical person, but I, I don't know his music. All I know is, Martin, why are you talking to somebody like this? You know, just focus on F1 people. I think he's too obsessed with looking out for the stallions and the machine guns and the crazy crazy. I mean, do these guys come out here just to see? I mean, that's a long flight to Brazil. I, I don't even, I was surprised to see him on the grid. I thought it was bizarre. This is the new age of Formula One. But back to motor racing. Your expert opinion on the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, apart from the Nando factor, before we do a quickie on Kali. I love Sao Paulo. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great circuit, and it's steeped in history. I mean, the vintages. So it's, a, it's always good to go there, and it's a quick lap. I sort of like that, and it's very technical. It, it's a great track. I mean, watching Fernando going around and around was fun, fun, fun surfing USA. Yes, and you know, having been there, courtesy of members of F1 Weekly Familia, Senor Leo, uh, some years ago, man, the first corner, that's a real steep dive on, on the TV. It does not do justice. It's just like when you go to Brands Hatch, you realize how up and down this thing goes, and you'll never get that feeling on TV. Okay, sir, moving on quickie on Collie. Slippery when wet. The ghost of Grateful Dead came to Interlagos in a box of rain. And when it was all over, Max was singing, I will survive. Both Alpha Tauris out in Q1, Danny and Yuki, the usual suspect was no surprise. Your favorite driver, Logan Sargent. Both Alpha Romeo drivers also out, Botas and Guan Yu Zhou. Top two in Q1, George and Max, which was kind of a surprise, at least for about George. Two cars from five teams made it to Q3. Prince of Papaya, Lando Norris was fastest ahead of Max and Checo. Hulkenberg was 11th and so did not make it to final 10. But his performance in qualifying against his teammate K-Mag is very impressive. 14 to 16, he has out-qualified the Danish driver. Q3, a rainy night at the Autodromo was coming. 
Houdini of horsepower does what he does best. Max goes out first and does a fast lambada to land his 11th pole of the season and 31st of his whippersnapper young career. Charles Leclerc, man on pole position for the last two races, qualified second. And this is what he had to say. Yeah, it works well for us. To be honest, today was... In my whole career, I've never experienced something like that. From the turn four onwards, I couldn't... I mean, there was no rain, but the car was extremely difficult to drive, no grip. I, I was thinking about just coming in at the end of the lap, then I finished and then P2. So uh, it's a really good surprise, but uh, it's a very weird one, I think, for everybody out on track today. Um, but I'm happy to uh, be on the front row anyway. Third man on the grid was big surprise. Daddy's little Jim Clark finally woke up. I must say he has done well in changing conditions. I think we can give him another title, very deservedly so. Daddy's little JB. Do you concur, sir? Yeah, he did a pretty good job. I think there was some luck involved, timing, when everything happened. It was perfect. And Fernando Fourth, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better day, finally, because it was just so terrible just a few weeks ago. Joining Lance on row two will be Omri, who won two championships at this track. And you already mentioned the name, otherwise I was going to ask you, who could that be? The Collie score is still very much in Alonso's favor, 17-3. to three. Row 3 has Robert Cray effect. Don't be afraid of the dark. The two black Mercedes cars of LCH and GR, the man who won the race here last year, but will get the wrath of Stewart later on. Due to heavy rain, the Q3 session was red flagged and se session suspended with four minutes to go. Good idea, as we do not need another Didier Pironi situation. Final analysis on Colley. One Red Bull on pole, one Red Bull ninth. As George Benson would say in a song, Are we happy with this lonely game we're playing, Senor Checo? We're lost in a masquerade. Mr. Rogers, any comments, observations, likes, dislikes about the shortened Q3? Well, it helped, like I said, I think it helped everybody. Nobody, Leclerc thought it was pretty bizarre and it was a strange and eerie feeling out on track. But I was happy with Aston Martin getting the, their best qualifying of the year, second row. I thought it was awesome. And they needed it because they were doing so terribly. And I'm, I, I think they just went back to the older version of the car. So, yes, there is hope. But... Great qualifying, and Mercedes were so elated at the previous Grand Prix. I mean, LCH was thanking the team and everything, and I'm surprised. You know, he was going, wow, we're making progress. We're almost there. He's seeing, he's seen the back of the Red Bull for a, for a good while in the previous Grand Prix. And then, all of a sudden, they just completely fell apart in Brazil. It was, I thought it was very bizarre. Okay, now we come to sprint uh, shootout on... Uh, it, it gets a little confusing for me. The sprint shootout is the qualifying for the sprint race. Both take place on Saturday. Lando Norris takes pole by 0 0.06 over Max. First pole for Lando since 2021 at Sochi when he played the Russian roulette in the rain and lost out. Now, sir, there's a lot of talk about tweaks needed to be made to the sprint race. I've gotten used to it. And I know you can never make everybody happy. Uh, what's your take on sprint races? Should they continue? What should they do? What's your opinion? Well, I, I actually, I'm keeping an open mind because I heard some of the drivers say that FP2, FP3 gets a little bit boring. It's repetitive. And you have to admit, watching them race is more exciting than uh, FP3. So I'm... Considering it, the biggest problem is really the Pirelli tires. I mean, you know, I know they're, they're tr Pirelli is trying to put on a show here, but sometimes the Pirelli's degradation is so severe, it really takes away. You know, everybody is in tire management mode until, you know, the last two laps or something. Eh, if we could just get some tires, maybe tires just for sprint, that there's very little dig, and we can really go balls to the wall, that's what they need. 
Okay, as far as sprint race is concerned, as expected, I was not surprised at all. Max made mincemeat of Lando's pole position at the start, and that's all she, she being Kelly P.K. wrote. Lando was a close second, and what a surprise we had on the third step of the podium. Sergio Perez. Good to see him there after his recent trials and tribulations. He had a nice ding-dong battle with both LCH, who was seventh, and George Russell, who finished fourth. Our favorite party mouth, Yuki Tsunoda, did an impressive Lombarda all the way to sixth place finish. He was on fire around this weekend. Mr. Rogers, you did a Pedro to me before the start saying Alonso takes the lead. And I thought, because I was busy doing something, I thought maybe my feet is a little bit late, which sometimes happens. Did you enjoy the sprint race after you woke up and had some chips and salsa and realized Nando is not leading? Correct. Well, what happened was I texted you that because I'm still confused like you are. So I thought the qualifying for the Grand Prix was the grid for the sprint, but it wasn't because they had the sprint shootout. See, I got all confused. That's why maybe it's just me, Nasser. Maybe the sprint shootout is not good for senior citizens. You know, I'm not sure. But yes, I, I enjoyed every minute. I, I love all this racing, especially when Fernando is machismo all of a sudden. When they give him a good car, I'm telling you, Liberty gets a much better show. So maybe we should all pitch in and figure it out. Let's get Fernando in the Red Bull because he just proved he's faster than Checo in an inferior vehicle. Very well said, and I must agree with you. That part you said about senior citizens getting confused about the sprint shootout. So my take is, you know, I'll watch whatever it is. And then at the end, I can figure out what it was. But anyway, now, sir, we move to the main thing, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Both Bernie and Felipe Baby were there. And Mr. Rogers, can you believe you only have two races remaining now? It is hard to believe. Well, life goes by fast. You and I know that better than anybody. So I was thinking about that just uh, a few moments ago. We're already going into Thanksgiving I have to buy a turkey and watch a Grand Prix in Las Vegas. But our podcasting weekly will not be affected whether it's Turkey Day or a Porcupine Day. Of course, we are 365 days a week or whatever that's saying. I, I can't even say it now. Yes, sir. Okay, sir. Harem Scarum on the opening lap. Albon gives a love tap to Hulkenberg and then does a Kvyat meaning torpedo, on K-Mag, taking both out, and there was collateral damage to other cars, notably Oscar Piastri's Papaya McLaren. The race was red flag, I believe it was on lap three. And Mr. Rogers, were you at that time in the mood to blame any driver? I, I was just blown away, guys. I mean, really, at this level, I mean, I don't mind seeing this in the Clio Cup, you know, when I'm going over there with Toto. But at this level, everybody, you, you got to take it easy. But it was very frustrating. And then I go, oh, there's going to be a red flag. And then I go, oh, my recording is going to be messed up. And I got to go fix all those things. See, it opens a big can of worm when they do this. Yes. And what really surprised me when something like this, and it happens when you see it at Le Mans 24 hours or Daytona 24 hours. I mean, what are you thinking? Anyway, I was happy stewards deemed it a racing incident instead of dishing out a laundry list of penalties. As is normally the case in times of domination by one team, the top step of the podium was secured, as far as I'm concerned, before lights went out in Sao Paulo and Georgia. It is very interesting to note competition slowly creeping up on Red Bull. At the start of the season, Mr. Rogers was giggling because Aston Martin led the charge of the Spanish Brigade. Hopes were high for Hamilton and George in the Mercedes camp, but they and Toto remain on the dusty Springfield program, wishing and hoping. And actually, after the race, Lewis said the best thing about this season is there are only two races remaining, so they cannot wait uh, for the W15. With Mike Elliott, the hero of Zero Sightboard concept, gone and James Allison back in charge, I expect winning transmission returning to Boys of Brackley in 2024. At least that's my vision and hoping. How do you think uh, Mercedes will do next season, sir? 
I really do hope they make some progress just just for their mental stability. Because if it doesn't happen, I I I can't imagine Toto and LCH, those faces. If they're losing again, it's it's gonna be dramatic dramatic for sure it's going to be another movie by brad brad pitt for sure for whatever reason interlagos provides great and dramatic racing just ask local hombre felipe massa or ask the 2023 dominator do you remember 2021 that's what i'm talking about now let's look at vip's very impressive performance performers of the race starting of course with the winner now, were you disappointed? I think uh, Fernando Alonso did not get the uh, driver of the day, which I think he should have, because they closed the voting, I think, a few laps before the end of the race. Uh, were you disappointed in that, sir? Very disappointed, as a matter of fact, and I have never done this in my life. But I actually went to my phone, and I thought, this needs to be addressed. And I went F1 dot com vote whatever the url is i went there and then i realized i would have to register and it was a big schlemiel and schlemazzle so i didn't do it but yes the urgency was there because that was the drive of the day but don't hey don't get me wrong fernando's used to being ignored by lots of british people Uh, gee i wonder why but we can we can have a separate uh, we should actually do a a special edition just on Fernando Alonso. Remember that song, Nobody Loves Me? We can have the theme for that song play at the start, and then we can talk about all the comments Christian Honor and other people have made uh, about him. Anyway, the winner, the Max Factor, bright and shining in every race. Sure, time and circumstances are different than other great legends of the sport, but we have never seen such super uber domination before. And if we ever see it again, it most likely will be by a driver named Max Verstappen. They say numbers don't lie. At this moment, his championship points tally is 524 points. His teammate, Sergio Perez, is 42 points away from reaching the 300 mark. What a difference. Max is even far ahead of the combined total of both Mercedes drivers. LCH and King George, whose combined total is 382. The performance and reliability of Red Bull Honda package, 19 wins from 20 races, is giving Toto Wolf and Frederick Wasser, to borrow a phrase from the late Murray Walker, a lump in my throat. And Max is going deep, and there is no stopping or stopping in the remaining two races. Mr. Rogers, I have a feeling, and you have to be honest about this, I have a feeling if these numbers belong to Machismo, you would already be on Mars sharing Hershey's kisses with him. What say you? Well, that's true, but we know that's not real. But no, this is an unbelievable performance. I mean, we'll see how, I'm just curious. Liberty is going to be changing Formula One, and Max really doesn't like any of these changes. So Max, could he could just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to the Camper Series. Oh, wow, that'll be something. Now, I know some people will not agree with me, but at least at this stage, I do not see any air of arrogance in Max Verstappen. Winning for him is just a matter of fact. Or as someone once said about Ayrton Senna and Michael Schumacher, it's his birthright. Now we move on to Lando Norris, came second and joins the Nick Heidfeld club of most podiums, 13, without a win. In the first six races of the season, Lando had no top five finish. Compared to that, in the last six races, his only non-podium finish was in Mexico. A little slip up by Max or done blowed up on the GP2 engine, good luck on both of these, is all Lando needs to land on top step of the podium for the first time in his career. He is currently fifth in the championship with 195 points. He is in the form he showed in all junior championships he raced in, winning all except for Formula 2, where he was second to George Russell. Mr. Brown's team is now knock-knock knocking on heaven's door. 
Access was granted in the sprint race for Oscar Piastri in the big queue. Qatar. Mr. Rogers, only two races to complete the season. Any chance uh, McLaren or Lando may get away? Absolutely, especially with, with these Pirellis. They're super fragile. They're punctures, mystery punctures. A simple puncture while in the lead. And boom, Lando's there buying donuts for everybody. Could it be um, that Oscar Piastri can uh, crash and bring out a safety car uh, at a convenient time? Has that ever happened in Formula One? That's part of Felipe Massa's agenda, so you better talk to him. But I am going to post some pictures of 2008 because there's some funny ones. Yes. Do you remember Flavio Briatore banging his head on the desk or whatever it was when uh, PK Jr. crashed? Oh, yeah. The drama. Oh, yes. Now that is the theme from the movie The Third Man and the third hombre and talk of the town in Sao Paulo was Arnando, Fernando Alonso, the old man of Sargasso Sea, drowned Sergio Perez on the final lap to grab his 106th podium. And you know the thing is when you have a dash to the finish between these two youths, just like Mansell and um, Senna in Jerez in 1986, just like Gordon John Cork and Rick Mears in 1982 at Indy, uh, the credit goes to both because, you know, without these two guys going at it, we wouldn't enjoy it so much. So in a battle like this, yeah, one guy comes ahead, but I don't think we have a loser here. That's just my personal opinion. I, I call it the Dijon 79 syndrome. Thank you. Merci. And let's see here what your man had, had to say after the race. Yeah, it was it was nice. It was a clean battle, very aggressive, but clean battle always with Checo. I think he has a very good records on uh, you know finishing the races and always battle hard, but uh, uh, keeping both cars on track. So yeah, I knew that it was uh, coming. I knew that he was a threat, and uh, at the end it was yeah maybe more difficult than I thought. To be honest, five laps to the end, I thought that I had things under control, so I start pushing, and then I look at the mirror and Checo was there, and I said, oh. Go. Uh, I think he was saving ties as well, so uh, he will be a strong uh, contender for the podium. And at the end, I'm happy that uh, we did it, I think, for the team. You know, we struggled a lot in the last two races, but uh, we never lost focus on what was the, the target. Uh, we went deep in the analysis. We stay united, we stay together. And this was a very nice team to witness in the last two events. Just tells me that, that penultimate lap where he took the place off you, what was going through your mind? Did you expect him to pull away? Did you know you had enough left to get the attack um, back? Honestly, I thought that uh, maybe my chances were gone in, in turn six. I went on the outside to change line, but then I pick up a lot of marbles and then uh, uh, the tyres were dirty. I was The tyres were vibrating as well and I thought, OK, this is gone. But then uh, I wanted to have one more chance into one or into four with the DRS, maybe breaking very aggressive, very late. I think he understood that as well, so he broke late into one, missed the apex by one meter, and that gave me the, the run into four. So, yeah, uh, unexpected, to be honest. Uh, when I lost the place, I thought it was gone. And you mentioned the team there. It's been a difficult season. It started so well. The updates seem to have been abandoned now, and you've got a plan for this car. So how much does this podium mean to the team, and, and how much confidence do, does it give you that you know the direction now, the team knows the direction? Uh, it means a lot. I think, obviously, the podium is great, but even without the podium, you know, to feel competitive again and to, and to understand a couple of the things that we, we were facing in the last two events, it was, it was, as I said, a nice exercise, you know, as a mature team, uh, in the factory and here on the track side, you know, to uh, to witness that uh, commitment and that determination, all united in the same direction, it was, as I said, one one nice thing that gave me a lot of confidence for next year as well. His performance was far beyond machismo and reminds me of what my friend used to say: winning in the best car is great, winning in a car that has no business winning is magic. 
And magic is what Machismo delivers from 2005 San Marino Grand Prix in a Renault and Valencia victory in 2012, which I'll never forget, in a Ferrari to Sao Paulo on Sunday for Aston Martin. On lap 70 of 71, when Checo passed Nando, I knew, just like Gilles Villeneuve, Alonso will be relentless till they take the checkered flag and try to be on the podium in a car that has no business being there. It was very, very close. Difference was 0.053. This is the essence of motor racing. The last lab at Interlagos 2023 will be talked about for many, many years, just like the first lap of Donington 1993. What say you, senor? That was such a fantastic moment for all of us to enjoy. There's going to be some machismo-ness coming up in a couple of corners. So it was exciting. And patience. I love the patience uh, from everybody. And you're right. Yeah, it's not exciting if it's just one guy. You got to have both of them there. So it was good for Checo. And um, Checo even said after the events that uh, only one person could have done that to him. Of course. Yeah, very true. And, you know, listening to him say that, what a shame it is for racing fans that we cannot see machismo in a competitive machinery. You know, like aircraft accidents and crime investigations, there are case studies which are required reading for young pilots and detectives. The last two laps of the 2023 Sao Paulo Grand Prix should be required viewing for all young aspiring drivers. And I have a question for you, Mr. Rogers. On the final lap, did you do a Montezemolo and break your 50-inch Magna Vox? Fantastic. It, it was exciting. I'm, I was so happy that we were getting some momentous moments here before the season is over because everything is going so fast. So we, we all deserved it as viewers. Yeah, and in more good news for the green team, this was the first race since the Australian Grand Prix that both Aston Martin cars finished in the top five. Lance Stroll was fifth behind Checo. Sainz was sixth for Ferrari, over 50 seconds behind race winner. That is, I'm laughing, but it's laughing because it's so sad. Pierre Gasly was seventh. His teammate Esteban Ocon in tenth meant both Alpines were in the points. Next, we have a Mercedes moment, the howling of wolf. Uh, inexcusable performance. There's even no words for that. That car finished second last week and the week before. And whatever we did to it was um, horrible, horrible, horrible. Uh, Lewis in, uh, you know, survived out there. But uh, uh, George, uh, I mean, I can only feel for the two driving such a miserable thing. It shows how difficult the car is. You can, it's on the knife's edge. We've got to develop that better for next year because you can't, it can't be that within seven days you're, you're finishing on the podium solid, quickest car. Probably the, uh, one of the two quickest cars and then you're nowhere and finish eight. Like Toto said, Lewis survived and finished eight with Paris finishing four places ahead. LCH is now 32 points behind from second place in the championship. With only two races remaining, we may have the first ever Red Bull 1-2 in the Drivers' Championship. Maybe that will save Checo's bacon and burrito at Red Bull. Since Lewis is vegan, he is the one with the package that is, in the immortal words of Sebastian Vettel, cucumber. The second Mercedes driver George got out of the kitchen as the car could not stand the heat. Yuki Tsunoda was ninth. His teammate Daniel Ricciardo was a lap down and finished 13th at the end of the race. Next we come to the sad saga of unlucky me, Charles Leclerc. His season so far include three DNFs, one disqualification, and now one did not start. He has four podium finishes, but unlike his teammate, no win. Leclerc is seventh in the championship with 170 points, one place and 22 points behind teammate Carlos Sainz Jr. So here are my final analysis, Mr. Rogers, and then we can get yours. The competition is catching up to Red Bull. Drivers from McLaren, Ferrari, and Mercedes are still suffering from the loneliness of the long-distance runner. Once they have a competitive package to take the fight to Red Bull, they will then encounter the ninja warrior in Max. He will waste no time in showing his gulag ruthlessness. 
as and when required. Please see Sergio Perez as a reference. Max is the Stalin of speed. What say you, comrade Klarkov? Wow! Wow, the Stalin of speed. I love that. That's brutal. But he you have to be brutal at this level, you know. It's not for children, Max Nasser. Uh it, it it's going to be intense, but they are catching up. I think Lando's win is is not only is he fast, but he's right there on the edge. And the tires I think is the biggest problem. So, yes, it's going to be very interesting, but Las Vegas, it's perfect Lando territory. And I know Max, I know I, I don't want to say that he's getting a little tired and he's ready to go eat some black licorice, but I see a win coming this year for McLaren. I still think it's possible because they're doing so well. Well, if McLaren wins a race or even Fernando Alonso, it will be a very, very good season despite the Uber domination we have seen. Yeah, because I mean, it's he's completely dominated the season. I know all these cars are now very reliable, so... Maybe I should stop saying that, but Max could still get a DNF. Now, before the race, Christian Horner was asked, what are the chances of Max helping Checo win the race on a scale of 0 to 100? And Mr. Horner responded, very rightly so, somewhere somewhere between 0 and 1. I mean, he I'm sure he's a swell, wonderful guy, but he's, you're not going to catch him hugging Perez in a loving embrace. No, that won't be happening in our lifetime. Uh, Mr. Rogers, I think it's time for some Brazilian daiquiri now. The daiquiris are on their way from the waitress, so yes, we'll be back after these brief messages. Hi, I'm Nick Heidfeld, and you're listening to F1 Weekly. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. In now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial, with the king, the Swami himself, Nasser Hamid. Nasser, please introduce our young man in the interview. Yes, sir. This young man is from Brazil, Sao Paulo, Caio Cole. He's a very talented young kid. He was picked up by... Uh, Nicola Todd's All Road Management, and he has been with them since uh, his karting days. He has recently raced in Formula 3, and when we talked to him, I asked him, you know, if he is for sure doing the Indy uh, next series, and he said, you know, it has not been decided. But I think racing here in the U.S. will be very good for him because a lot of Brazilian drivers have been very successful here. They can guide him and help him, and of course... Uh, Nicola Todd is always there to guide him. And as far as the Formula 2 scene is concerned, it's just jam-packed and, you know, there are drivers in the second year, third year, fourth year, so it becomes almost impossible for a rookie to win the championship. So I would like to thank Caio for his time, and we wish him all the best in his racing life. Okay, folks, I'm here with young Brazilian talent, Caio Cole. Kayo, welcome to F1 Weekly. Welcome to USFA. How was your first day of Indy Next testing? I think it was pretty decent. Uh, obviously, I think we got a bit of limited running due to the weather this morning. But in the afternoon, uh, I think we made good progress quite quickly. We were able to finish the day uh, like a tenth and a half, less than a tenth and a half from the fastest lap time of today. So I think it was, was a good improvement. But most importantly, I think I got along quite well with the team and I was able to adapt quickly with the car. It's quite different than what I'm used to, also the tracks and especially the tires. So I think overall it was a good day. I'm, I'm quite happy with uh, how everything went this afternoon and looking forward to, to be back here. And what's the main difference between Indy Next Car and Formula 3 Car? I think one of the main differences for sure is the tires. Uh, we are used to do push, cool, push. So we don't do, in a, for example, in a run, we don't do more than three push laps and never in a sequence in qualifying. So we always push, cool down, push. And here, when you go to qualifying, you basically do six, seven push laps in a row. So I think this to adapt again uh, was bit difficult for me but uh, I think I did a did a good job in the end and 
mainly the main difference. I think in terms of car and driving, for sure, this one you fight a little bit more. Uh, I think uh, it has a little bit more power comparing to downforce. Uh, if you take the F3, for example, so you fight a bit with more, a bit more with the car, which I, I personally like. So I think the two main differences are, are that. Your country has produced three great champions: Fittipaldi, Piquet, Senna. Who is your favorite, and why? Uh, for me, I think Senna obviously is uh, number one. If I would pick, also Piquet, I really like the the style and uh, how how he deal with things. But Senna, for me, is the favorite. Same here. Okay, you have extensive and successful karting background. What were your biggest achievements in your karting days? And I've been following your career since those days. I think for sure my first year in Europe when I first left Brazil and uh, went to do the European and World Championship. I think that year I, I did pretty well with Cosmic. Uh, I was the Rookie of the Year uh, awarded by, by CIK and uh, third in the World Championship that year was pretty good. After that uh, I moved to Bureau. I won a few races in WSK. I fought for the European Championship as well. But I think uh, this third in the World Championship I would say was my biggest uh, achievement in karting which was pretty pretty good. How competitive is the Brazilian karting scene compared to karting in the US and Europe? To be really honest, uh, for the past few years, I think karting in Brazil was a little bit uh, in a not a very very nice phase. But now uh, is is getting back. I think uh, towards these days, you can see there's a few good, really good drivers in Europe, like Gabriel Gomez and some others fighting for the European Championship and World Championship uh, in a in a high level. So I think uh, we are back with good drivers uh, but I think we had a little phase without any any good progress and uh, not a lot of support inside uh, inside Brazil but I think now we are coming back especially with Felipe and Gabriel winning Formula 2 and Formula 3 in the past in the past years this gave a big boost for the country and people are starting to invest again so it's really good uh, you have been with Nicola Todd's All Road Management for quite a few years. Can you tell us how this association started? Did your management call him or they reached out to you? Uh, it was in my first year, 2015, uh, when I did pretty well. I think nobody knew who I was when I first did karting in Europe. And I was straight away, I think, fighting for uh, wins and podiums in European and World Championship. So Nicolas contacted us. Uh, I, I'm still working with Gaston Fragas and since then I was working with him. And he contacted him and they did the deal so the deal firstly was for me to race in Bureau Art which was his team so 2016 I switched to Bureau Art I stayed the whole year in his team as an evaluation and after the end of the year we signed a contract Great. now you won the French Formula 4 championship in your first year seven wins from 20 starts were you surprised success in a competitive environment came so quickly I knew, I think we were our potential as uh, not only me but the people who supported me since then. I think we worked really hard and we were ready to do a force straight away. So I think the preparation we put into and all the the training etc that all the hours of work that we put into my first year, uh, we were ready to do it. So we were obviously with Nicolas, he was expecting me to win straight away, it's how it works. So I'm glad I did it and uh, was a pretty good year for me. I think I was quite happy overall. One of your victories came at Po, one of my favorite street circuits. How will you compare Po to other famous street circuits like Monte Carlo, Albert Park and Macau? Macau I've never been, but for me Po is completely different. It's like a proper street circuit where the curbs are like the, how do you say, sidewalks, like it's really, really bumpy. They never get resurface like uh, other tracks like Albert Park or, or Monaco for example so when I first went to Po I was my first few laps I remember I was quite surprised with the bumpiness and you need to take the sidewalk to be quick so which was really fun and I really enjoyed and for me it was one of my it's one of my favorite tracks yeah Okay, in 2019, you were fifth in Formula Renault Euro Cup, very competitive series. How big was the difference in depth of competition between F Formula Renault Euro Cup and French F4? Quite big. I think uh, 
not in terms of driving, I would say, but mainly how you deal with the championship and teammates and the team because French F4, everyone is more or less in the same team. So when you get to Euro Cup, you have your teammates, you have different teams and you need to be able to work inside your team and know a little bit more the car and try to adapt the car to your driving style. I think this was what Oscar did really, really well. I was his teammate and I could see that uh, for me he was really special and trying to adapt when things were not really nice. He was every time putting the car at his uh, max performance. And I think me, I struggled a little bit my first year to do that. And uh, I could see it's one of his main strengths. And for me, I, I admire him a lot as a driver and also as a friend. But coming back to me, I think the main difficulty was to how to understand a little bit more the car and adapt it to the way I liked, which I did, I think, the year after in 2020. You're a smart guy. You already answered my next question, which was your teammate won the championship. And the question was, how good is this Henri? Oscar Piastri, you want to say anything more? But I admire him. For me, he will have a successful future in Formula 1 for sure. And I lived with him for the past four years in Oxford. We shared, a, shared an apartment, so I am a, not only a friend, but a fan as well. And he'll still take your call? For sure, for sure. <laughs> okay, that, that's good. Uh, in 2020, you were second in the championship, winning your first race at Imola. I've been to this track. How cool is this track to drive, especially the Aqua Minerale and Alta Variante sections? Also, one of my favorite tracks, I think, uh, the sequence of high speed, and they're always dependable on each other, so every time the first corner decides how you do the second one, so it's, it's really a, a track that provides the driver to do the difference and I really like this kind of uh, this kind of challenges and for me it was pretty special Imola also Silverstone Spa all these kind of tracks for me are, are amazing to drive okay past three season you raced in European F3 two years with MP Motorsports and this year with Van Emersford uh, both Dutch teams what were the highlights of your time in Formula 3 and was there a major difference in the way the, each team operated yeah, for sure. I think uh, Van Amersfoort as a new team uh, was a bit different uh, comparing to MP. I think MP, they were a bit more used to the procedures of F3 and how, how the championship worked. I think VAR was their second year in the championship. So there was some procedures and some, some stuff like that because F3 you need to be really prepared as you don't get much driving during the weekend. You need to arrive uh, ready to go. And I think this we struggle a bit at the end of the year. Uh, but towards at the beginning of the year sorry but towards the end of the year I think we did a pretty pretty decent job we were able to, to be fighting for wins and podiums I think this was our goal uh, just came a bit too late now for next season have you already decided you will do Indy next or is this just an evaluation or can you tell us about your plans yeah nothing decided yet uh, was just for me to evaluate the championship, for the team to evaluate me as well, because you never know if you adapt well with the team, with the championship, with the series. It's quite a big difference comparing to Europe, the way the tracks are, the way the car is, how they work. So this obviously uh, takes a bit of time to adapt. But I think uh, we were able to do a good job. I adapt quite quickly with my team, with my engineer, my mechanics. So I was quite happy with that, but nothing decided yet. For sure, we are all hope like we are seeing all the options and which one suits best my my career uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself uh can you call it the person not the driver what kind of music you like what kind of food you like or do you follow any other sports apart from motor racing i really like tennis uh tennis is a sport that i like and i also in my free time i like to to play a lot with my friends back in brazil and also i played quite a bit with oscar when we were in oxford together it's a is he good in tennis Better driving. <laughs> Better driving. Yeah. Okay. But uh, now nah, it was, was fun. I, I, for me, f apart from racing, I would say tennis is my favorite sport. Uh, foot soccer, I am really bad, so I cannot say anything. Brazilian and bad in soccer, shocking. Yeah, to be honest, that's why I think I went to racing quite early when I was young. Because when I was used to play, for example, for my team's school and stuff like that, I was always a goalkeeper because I was not able to do anything with the ball. But no, I'm a pretty easygoing guy, relaxed. I like all kinds of food and all kinds of music. I just like to be around people and uh, have fun, to be honest. There is not much else. I, I just enjoy being around people and uh, smile and laughing like that.
Obrigado, muchachas. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the best. Gallo, thanks for joining F1Weekly.com. Yes, sir. And today we have a new one. Greetings and chippy regards. Felipe Baby was supposed to be MIA in Brazil, his home country, but showed up on race day. And I have, I have to say, with all that's going on in this world, we need love, not war. So I was happy he was there because there were reports, actually a, a communication from him that he will not be there. Because thanks to his legal wranglings against the FIA regarding the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix and losing the championship to LCH in season finale in Sao Paulo, he was requested by FIA not to come for a stroll in Parco Monza. According to him, there has been no contact with FIA since then, and he will only go to races as ambassador. Who can blame the FIA for cancelling his visa to Grand Prix Paddock? Instead of being an ambassador, he was till Sunday persona non grata. I get the feeling Alex Palu's legal team is advising him how to win the championship he lost uh, 15 years ago. Mr. Rogers, if you were Judge Walkner, how would you rule on Massa's allegation? Well, the, the biggest problem, and I, I read of what Massa had to say. I guess his son asked him, you know, what happened. And then his son said, well, why didn't you do something, Pops? All of a sudden, he feels inadequate that he should have been more machismo, more vocal, exposing the fraud. But the problem is nobody knew. And, and, and it's been 15 years, folks. It's called... it's too far away in the past it's over masa accept it seek help with your local priest well nice to know his eight-year-old son has passed the brazilian bar but you know we'll see how it goes okay sir now some uh, very talented junior series driver signing arvid lindblad moving up to formula three with prema on wings of red bull and we interviewed this uh, kid at monza a few months ago he will team up with Dino Beganovic of Sweden and Gabriel Mini, who is from Sicily, in the very successful Prima team. Another talented kid, uh, part of the McLaren program, Ugo Going Up. McLaren Formula One junior Ugo Oguchukwu from New York will race in the For Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine with the same Prima team in 2024. And this, you know, form, FRECA as they call it, is what the, um, it's basically a replacement for what used to be Formula Renault Euro Cup. This American kid recently won the Euro 4 championship with Prima and finished second in the Italian 4 um, standings. And his first year was in 22, and he was in British F4 and I've been following his career. Uh, since his karting days because he is very talented and in the 22 British F4 he finished third. So the talent is there and this kid is tall like uh, Karim Abdul-Jabbar and uh, I wish him well and let's see how these kids do. Uh, we talked about Mr. Mike Elliott, the hero of Zero Sideboard has left the building. He was the genius behind W13 and its game-changing concept of Zero Side Pod. He, I don't know if he got pushed out or he resigned on his own, but he is gone um, from Mercedes. He joined them in 2012 as the head of aerodynamics, kind of like uh, Mercedes, um, the guy from Red Bull. What's his name? I'm missing. Adrian Newey. Adrian Newey. How can I miss that? Thank you so much, sir. Before that, he was at McLaren and Renault. And the good news is, and Ready Global is hiring. Next, we come to Bahrain Eight Hours. Uh, sir, did you watch any of that? Thanks, thanks to YouTube, I did watch some of it. Did you watch the final race of the WEG series? No, sir. Sir, this was in Bahrain, the eight-hour race. Pole position taken by Sebastian Buemi, Brandon Hartley, and Rio Hirakawa for Toyota. Shutting front row is the sister car driven by Kamui Kobayashi, Jose Maria Lopez, and Mike Conway. And completing the top three in Kali was the Cadillac of Al Bamber, Richard Westbrook, and Alex Lynn. The race turned out to be, oh, what a feeling, Toyota. Bohemi and boys won the race and we did the championship. Sister car was second and third was the beautiful Ferrari of Fuoco, Molina, and Nielsen. This car is actually built by the Lara. 
but the Ferrari back car is beautiful, I have to say. History was made in the LMGTE class. Sarah Bowie, Michelle Gatting, and Rahel Frey took victory, the first foreign all-female crew in the WEC series. They were on the Arita Franklin program, riding a pink Porsche 911, if not a Cadillac. From Bahrain we go back to Brazil and look at drivers who won their very first Grand Prix in the land of Samba and Senna. We shall start with 1975. Carlos Pache, he was a local yokel and one-height wonder for Bernie-owned Brabham team on his home track, Interlagos, which is now named after him. Pache's nickname was Moko and his Brabham teammate was Carlos Reutemann and his nickname was Lole. Pache was killed in a private plane crash near Sao Paulo in 1977. Then we have in 1980 Rene Arnoux, also at Interlagos. Rene was born on July 4, 1948 and won the 1977 European Formula 2 Championship. I will always remember the little racer from Grenoble as he was the winner in his Renault Turbo of the very first Grand Prix I ever went to. And that was beautiful Parco Monza 1982. 2003, one of our all-time favorite, Fisico. Bravo, bravo for one of our favorites in Brazil, Giancarlo Fisichella. He got the winner's trophy in round four at Imola, even though his maiden win came in round three, the Brazilian Grand Prix. The race was red flag and Kimi Raikkonen was initially declared the winner. Kimi was gracious enough to hand the trophy to Fisico in a good sporting manner after the race result was revised and corrected. And in the history of motor racing, this has happened a few times and a few cases I'm aware of. The guy who got the trophy refused to return to the actual winner. But, you know, it takes all kinds to make this work. Then we come to George Russell, 2022. In a season of despair and delusion for the Mercedes team, the young whippersnapper from Kings Lynn, which is also the hometown of Martin Brundle, took his maiden win. And this was team's only win of the season at Interlagos. Notable mention, Michelin first win in Formula 1 came at Chacare Pagua circuit in Rio de Janeiro, 1978 courtesy of Carlos Reutemann in a Ferrari 312 T2, uh, which was designed by Mauro Forgheri. Okay, sir, we'll move on now to... Oh, this is interesting, sir. You will like this. This is what we call the Jet Clampered Junction and famous last words. The Beverly Hillbillies. Today they come from Michael Andretti on the Sharks and Barracudas he is facing to enter the Piranha Pool. He said and I quote, We have got to realize what we're getting into. We're getting into a lot of politics and things like that. It's just the way it is. And we'll just deal with it. I didn't think it would be this hard to get in. But we'll prove our way to get in. First of all, they think we're a bunch of hillbillies over here and we don't know what we're doing, end quote. What say you about this, sir? Well, he's right. They do think you're a bunch of hillbillies. It's going to be a tough nut to crack. You got to be persistent, and you will persevere. But uh, I don't know what's happening. Listen, folks, Michael Andretti was a Formula One driver. Let's not forget that. So I think they'll get in, and I think the FIA is on his side. But we'll see what happens. Uh, FOM still has to vote for it. And uh, it'll be interesting. Yes, money talks and they'll work something out. Okay, so some sad news. Passing of ex-F1 team owner Eric Zakowski. He was 89 years old. And he had a Formula 1 team, of course. And one of his drivers was uh, Martin Brundle. And the team ran in Grand Prix racing from 1985 to 1989 but he was very successful in touring cars and German uh, DTM. And finally, sir, before we talk about Musical Mondial, would you have anything to say? I'm looking forward to Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, same here. 
Okay, Musical Mondial. Today we have the saxophone and orchestra of Fausto Papetti. Thank you for listening and please enjoy Brasilia Carnaval. Ciao, ciao. Good night. <laughs>